Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Friday edition is here. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Look at Matt over there. Look at Matt. Moonshine. Smile on his face. Doubting us all week. I don't know why he's smiling. Thank you, Matt. Because he's the one that gave us the fuel to fire us up throughout the week. To get here to this point where we're ending the week in style. We're sprinting across the finish line, Daytona 500 style. Matt said we couldn't do it. Matt's representing about four different sports teams, uh, college, pro, everything, on his attire today. Well done. He's got an App State sweatshirt on. He's got a Titans hat. This guy multi-teams it up better than anyone else. And you know what else he does? He doubts us every week, and every week we come through. Hutton, good to see you. Yeah, you too. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Shane Hallam will join us from Draft Countdown. He's coming up in hour number two of today's show. Looking forward to that. We'll get to the draft in just a moment. Chad finished full swing. Uh, I did the PGA Tour and Live Tour doc that's on uh, the series. I shouldn't say documentary. The series that follows. It's a documentary. It's a docu-series. Docu-series. To be be exact. I can't wait to get your final thoughts on it because I I want... I'm two episodes in and I'm I'm loving it so far. So... And I I saw your tweet. You said it ended perfectly. Yes. It's very, very poetic with the balance of Live Tour and PGA and Rory McIlroy and how this thing ends and where it all leads. Very well done. We'll talk Brandon Miller in Alabama. We'll preview the upcoming weekend of sports, plus uh, the Pac-12 and their TV deal and the network that's apparently involved in negotiations. Some of you may have heard of it. I guarantee you can't find it uh, on on your rundown, on your guide. That'll be tough. We'll get to that coming up. Chad, I was reading uh, last night at The Athletic, great piece on Sean McVay. And the five-win season to follow up their Super Bowl season, which is the worst, you know, dumpster fire that we've seen from a Super Bowl-winning team the following season. And it, it details the Rams' implosion, the salary cap issues, the different injuries, 11 different combinations of offensive linemen starting for them over the first 11 games of the season and how McVay became more introverted and guarded with how he felt about the job he was doing. In fact, at one point, thought about stepping away, stepping aside because it was going so bad through the season. He thought he was, he was the reason why. He gave up play-calling duties at one point to Liam Cohen. And it reminded me of Sean Payton who kicked the can down the road, not just him, Mickey Loomis, the organization, they kicked the can down the road with the Drew Brees contract. At some point, that comes back to bite you. And as Brees steps away, so did Sean Payton after that one season where he went through four different quarterbacks. He steps away. He's now the, of course, head coach of the Denver Broncos. More power to him. But McVay in this piece says, look, I, I have to see this through. I was on board with what we did to go all in to win the Super Bowl, I can't bail now. And we didn't hear that from Peyton. Now, 
Different circumstances, 15 years in New Orleans for Sean Payton. But McVay has created this culture where, not just within the locker room, but within the coaching staff, you're putting up numbers. And the coaching staff then progresses to become head coaches or offensive coordinators of other offenses. And he's sitting back going, I'm exhausted. I'm angry at the situation. I can't believe we're this bad. But yet, I'm seeing it through. I don't like to hear him say that he wanted to step away or thought about stepping away he at any thought point. He thought he was the reason why they were where they were. The reason they are what they are is because they're all standing on a table screaming, F those picks. This is the, this is the hangover of that. Well, right? I mean, this is why most teams don't do this. It worked because they won a Super Bowl. Right. But you can tout this all you want and mock everyone and F those picks this and all of that. Eventually, you're going to pay the piper in this league. And it just happens sooner rather than later for this team. So I'm tired of hearing about this. Go into TV or not if you're Sean McVay. I don't think he's going right now. Like, just, I, well, if you're considering midseason, man, things are going bad. But maybe it's me. Maybe I should step away. Do we really think Sean McVay has that much self doubt? The guy who just won a Super Bowl? The guy who is the, the, Wunderkin coach that produces more head coaches well, across the league. The the, the author the, the writer of the piece spoke with multiple players and personnel from within the organization that verified all of this. Where he went to his office and shut the door where it normally was wide open, and players started gravitating towards Raheem Morris during the season. And then by the end of the year, he came out of whatever funk he was in, and everything was cool. But during the season, there was this, what's going on with Sean? Look, I, like the, I love the honesty, all right? I, 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 I want to start there because we don't get enough honesty in the NFL, so I don't ever want to discourage anyone from not telling us what's going on. It's just a season after leading up to the Super Bowl, all the reports. We're there in L.A., Hutton. And remember, all the reports were Sean McVay may actually, if they win – Step away and go into television. And Donald's going to retire and all these storylines. Burnout with yeah. him. Yep. You know, even at a young age, he's grinded so hard for, for even a short amount of time to get here that he may want to go do something else. Doesn't do that. Donald comes back. You go into this season. And then now you're telling me that you legitimately consider that you're the pro- You're not the problem, and you should know that. That you're the problem and you should step away. I like the self-awareness. I like looking in the mirror if things aren't going well and asking all the proper questions. I, I do think, though, that similar to Aaron Rodgers being an off-season to off-season thing with waffling on what he's going to do and whether or not he's going to play and who he wants to play for, this is going to get old for me pretty quick if this is going to be the normal thing now with Sean McVay. I hope it's not. I hope he keeps playing. I love the honesty from him, but... Let's make up our mind if we're in this to win it and we're in this to stick with adversity. And let's get to the point again where the last thing on your mind is quitting midseason because things aren't going well. Yeah, and and that's how he felt in the moment. Now, he saw it through, right? And this could have been the season. If, If that would have happened, we would have seen him on TV in 2023. And then he's the next Sean Payton where, okay, is it one year and then he's back in, two at, at his mentor is John Gruden, and that's exactly what Gruden did, where he went to television and then jumped back in. Did Gruden get fired, though, eventually? Wasn't he fired from Tampa, or did he leave on his own? Uh, 
He may have been. Fired. I feel like he was fired. Yeah, to, he was to me, fired. This oh, is you even, know, he was fired because he was part of the Fired Football Coaches Association. That's right. He's also so it's um, different from Gruden for this reason. Gruden got fired. A with Peyton and McVeigh, this seems way too convenient for me. That there's something at my core that I can't really respect about things aren't going in the direction I want them to with this organization. Let me go into TV for a year and then have someone trade for me. But it's the so money. So I can go somewhere else. That's what's insane. It's the money that's enticing. Well, they're making a lot of money to coach. I mean, I get you're going to go make more money in TV, but my point is, all right, if you're going to be Gruden and leave for a decade, great. Yeah. He also got fired. But if Sean McVay wants to go do television for 10 years, mm-hmm. and then maybe 5, 10 years, 15 years from Come now. Come back when he's 40. Yeah, he might. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years from now on his 40th birthday. He's still the youngest coach in the NFL. Which is insane. But then you come back and coach. I don't like this leapfrog. I'm going to step away as a successful head coach knowing someone's going to trade for me and go make money in TV for a year simply because things aren't going the way that I want right now because my star quarterback retired or the F those picks mantra didn't work out the way I wanted to and we're not going to be any good in the near future and Matthew Stafford's hurt and getting older. I don't like that. Just as a competitor and someone who loves the NFL, I, I don't like this. I don't like this trend with these coaches. It got, the story says he agonized over whether to leave the team and called his relationship with football, quote, a beautiful torment. And now he's circled back to he's in. And this isn't a, a, a validation or a, uh, a piece where he's saying, like, you know what? I'm staying. I'm staying in Los Angeles to coach the Rams. Yeah, he basically said, I saw it out. I saw through it. I, I, he saw through it, and he's staying. Like, the, his... His reasoning for why he's he's returning, he wants to see it through after, you know, agreeing after the Super Bowl to sign Allen Robinson, for instance. They get into that in this piece, which didn't do much of anything. But then the injuries and everything else that was going on, he was like, man, maybe I'm the maybe I'm the issue with the play calling. So he turns that over, and then by the end of it, he's getting the credit for Baker Mayfield by the end of the season. Yeah, so. More power to him on this. I, I'm team Sean McVay. I want him to stay in the league. But more, more than anything, like if you're on board with taking an organization going all in, you're going to pay the price eventually. I'm on board with the coach seeing it through. Instead of just saying, you know what? Won the Super Bowl. Peace. See ya. I hope he sees it through. I, I just... I think he will. I, I don't know that... I'm not very confident in that, that if in midseason the next year... They won a Super Bowl a year ago. I, I know. And the build-up to that Super Bowl was the guy who was about to step away. Now you're telling me they lose a few games, and by midseason he doesn't know if he wants to keep doing it, and he had to see it through? That doesn't sound like a guy who's going to coach next 10 years for the Rams to me. Sounds like a guy who, if they're not improved next year, will step away and then try to go to a better team and well, leapfrog I mean, at that if point. not improved in the next two years, he'll be fired. I just think if you're going to – I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the league. If you're going to tout – F those picks and win a Super Bowl doing it. Which was their GM. Then you damn well better. Well, that's the coach, too. He was on board with all this as well. They went all in on a Super Bowl. They won it. We'll build it back up again and win another one. Call me old school here, but see through the darkness. Don't back out. Don't quit. Don't go do some analysis job on television. See through it. Take your lumps. You won a Super Bowl ring, for God's sakes. That's good. And then come back and win another one. I mean, he has, Chad, he has been the coach that has the tree, the, all the branches across the league. Everyone points to him. You know, that's what's just so fascinating Maybe about his mindset. Maybe he can just sit back and be kind of the papa 
you know, the Papa Hallis of the league and say, look at all my children out there, all of my assistants being coaches, and just be on television and tout all of his assistants that have moved on to bigger and better things. Well, speaking of Sean Payton, uh, just tying it in with the Broncos, the report that Russell Wilson wanted Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired in Seattle. Uh, not only did he want Carroll, but also the GM. I, I think the storyline two years ago was Carroll and Wilson were not seen eye to eye. They weren't communicating well. And at some point in February of 2022, so a year ago, Wilson went to ownership and asked them to make a change. And then it was the owner at the time, but still Jody Allen, who took over controlling ownership to make the decision. And we know the decision. Wilson was traded soon after that, literally within the hour of Aaron Rodgers announcing that he was staying in Green Bay. Now, Russell Wilson has denied this. And he sent this uh, tweet where he says, I, I love Pete. He was a father figure to me. And John believed in me, drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All of us wanted to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. That from Russell Wilson, who's now coaching, or excuse me, now playing for the coach who he wanted there in Sean Payton, who's taking away all these privileges. Do you believe what Russell Wilson is saying, or do you believe the report? No, I, I believe the report, which, which half of it, we, I feel like we had already heard. Not fired, but like it, it had to be one or the other, right? And I, I, I believe that Russell Wilson probably went in and said, if they can't get along, fire them both. Or let's figure this thing out because it's not working. Or he said, I don't like the direction of where we're headed. I, yeah. I, need more, I need more room to work. I need more weapons and offensive line help. I'm tired of running for my life every week. I need you know, a, a new vision, a clear vision. And now... A year, I mean, the guy had his own office there. So. Right. And a year later, though, he's got no power. None. But I the, mean, the coach he is, that he just like he vouched for came in and took away a lot of right. the things that he, that he had there in Denver. Well, and just I'm saying based on play. Yeah. You know, oh, a year oh, ago, absolutely. someone in the YouTube chat just said, imagine being Russell Wilson and acting like it's the coach's fault when you watch right. his play on the field. Right. I, I understand that. So his play was in steady decline, especially the final year in Seattle, some due to injury. Mm -hmm. But, okay, now fresh start. Broncos really ante up and give a lot in a trade, bring you in, you're the franchise guy, you get a new new way to go about doing things, and he sucks again. Okay, maybe that's Nathaniel Hackett's fault. I don't think so. This is a trend now with Russell Wilson. So now you've got Sean Payton, who he smells like roses coming into Denver. He's taken away more power from Russell Wilson. He's just got no positional strength in terms of negotiation with that franchise anymore. And by power, we're he, talking about the trainers that, that right. were, were in but the facility. But it's also, it it's, he's in the prove-it mode yeah. again. I mean, but everyone's this, looking around saying, dude, you're not going to dictate terms to us. Your trainers are gone. It's going to be Sean Payton's way. You need to prove to us why we should believe in you as the franchise quarterback. Forget about the contract you have. Yeah. Forget about the trade that we made. This is now about you proving to us that you're worthy of our team. And what we're doing. It's not the opposite way around to where we had a couple of years ago, according to reports, Russell Wilson asking for Schneider and Carroll's job. Yes, and you know, the, right now, Seattle has the last laugh, as of right now. But he's been paired with the coach that he put on a list of, of teams that he would approve a trade for from Seattle. New Orleans was one of those because of Sean Payton. So now he's got the coach, and... Now it's up to Russell Wilson. 
right? All up to him. Yeah. I mean, the, the pressure's on him now. Yes. I mean, it's, it's got, he has to be the leader of that franchise, of that team, of that locker room. He was not that last year. Hit us up with your thoughts in the chat. I'll kick 360 on YouTube. Chad, mock drafts. We're going to talk draft in the second hour coming up. But the mock drafts have you fired up right now. Don't fall for the fabricated roller coaster that is pre-NFL draft <laughs> mock draft coverage. And here's a great example of that. On three sports, and I love on three sports and the guys over there. They've got a rider who decided to put Anthony Richardson at number one overall. Whoever put this out there may very well believe this. It's crap. And it's first it, it, CBS something, Sports. It's something to put out there that is going to get attention, that people are going to cover, that they're going to get talked about. I'm not talking about this like it's a news story. I'm telling you, buyer beware on mock draft season. If I'm following this correctly, reading the rationale behind Anthony Richardson being number one overall, it's that the Colts will trade up with the Bears to draft Anthony Richardson. And every description I heard is basically they could see Anthony Richardson, Shane Steichen could, as another Jalen Hurts, who he had success with. Let me tell you something about Anthony Richardson. He's not near as good as Jalen Hurts in college. He just wasn't, ever. Jalen Hurts is better at Alabama under one coach, and then he was better at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley than Anthony Richardson has been at any point in his life. High school, Dan Mullen, Billy Napier, at any point, Jalen Hurts is on a different planet than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is a long-term project at quarterback. This is the trait. He is not a finished product. He is not a number one overall pick. I saw something where Daniel Jeremiah is talking about Bryce Young, people around the Alabama program saying that he's the greatest football player they've ever been around. And about his leadership on Sundays when he got back, he would make notes for the coaching staff to improve their work for the next week's game. And they would take those notes on things he wanted to see in the game plan the next week. And now we've got someone saying Anthony Richardson should be drafted ahead of Bryce Young. Come on now. Come on. I'm not buying it. You shouldn't buy it. People have jobs to do. Part of those jobs are to get clicks and get impressions. I understand that. I have a hard time believing anyone actually believes Anthony Richardson is the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft. This is the, this is the time of year where you've got to have something new on this draft. They, we've been talking this. The, the mock drafts have been out for three months now. You know, you get it at the end of the season. Chasing the number one overall selection. Chad, next week with the NFL Combine, Richardson and Levis will be the talk of the Combine. That's, this is not the first we're going to see this. It will get back to Bryce and Young and CJ Stroud. That's why I wanted to put the warning shot out now. Don't fall for the bait on this. It's Bryce Young. It's CJ Stroud. And then it's whatever collection of quarterbacks you want to put out there. I've been consistent. I think Hendon Hooker is the next best quarterback in this draft. Yes. And there's a lot of talk and reports now that, boy, people really like this Hendon Hooker guy. And that there's a lot of teams who really think he's great. But, you know, there's questions about the injury and the age and everything else. I'm just saying what I've seen at quarterback, I'd go Bryce Young 1, C.J. Stroud 2, Hendon Hooker 3, Will Levis 4, Anthony Richardson 5. I could understand flip-flopping Richardson and Levis based on ceiling. 
I do think Anthony Richardson has a sky-high ceiling, but his floor is really, really low right now based on what we've seen from him in Florida. Coming up, we will chat PGA Tour and Live Tour, get Chad's thoughts on full swing, plus LaShawn McCoy commenting on playing for Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. It's all coming up on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us. Friday edition, Outkick 360. Hutton and Withrow with you. Chad, you just finished Full Swing on Netflix, and you said the it had the perfect ending. Yeah, it did. Um, so the final episode was, I think the title of some like, Everything Leads to This, and it was about the FedEx Championship okay. in the end with Rory versus uh, Scotty Scheffler. But it's a very Rory McElroy-centric episode throughout. And it ends with Rory winning the FedEx Championship. And I just, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a moment where he's talking about what the PGA Tour means to him and means to the players as opposed to the Live Tour and the guys who left. And there's a cool Tiger Woods moment by proxy mm. with Rory that I don't want to spoil. It's the perfect way to end the whole season of Full Swing. I highly recommend it. My favorite episode was the Joel Damon episode which is shocking because he's the, the, probably the least celebrity figure that's featured on the show other than uh, Mito Pereira and uh, the other rookie they, they feature in one episode. thought it was very well done. Everyone is saying that I should now watch Breakpoint, which is the tennis version of this. I've seen Formula One Drive to Survive. I'm not completely caught up on all the seasons of that, but it's very well but done. That, that's that's – perfection to me yeah someone did say the uh the the tennis one because apparently tennis players are very protective of their privacy and what they're doing they didn't get a big star level on that okay so you'll learn about some people you didn't know about on it and it's really well done but they actually got a bigger star power for this pga tour one full swing highly recommend really enjoyed hutton you said you're on episode two right now i just finished the kepka episode so i Again, I say the episode. It, I, I don't know how much he's featured moving forward, but you said the your favorite one is three or four, right? It's I think yeah, three. It's whatever the Joel Damon okay. led episode is 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 really well done. I, I think this is perfect for the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's great. Look, it's it's difficult. 
It's the individual access that you don't get on the course. Sometimes for me, it's difficult to get in the mindset of watching a sports documentary. You know, but once I get in that mindset and I'm entranced in it, I can't turn away. I don't usually watch eight episodes of something over two and a half days or three days. Mm-hmm. I did that with this one. Because you get going and the episodes are nice and 40 to 45 minutes each. Yeah, easy to not watch. Not an hour yeah, or longer right. on each one. And you just start rolling and you can knock these things out quickly. Very impressed. The company that does this does a great job. Again, Drive to Survive. Breakpoint is the tennis docuseries, and now Full Swing. And I'm excited about the NFL quarterback when it's going to be NFL Films and Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's company, because if it gives the same level, it's not the same production crew as these series, but if it's the same level of behind-the-scenes access and stories and different things you see, I I think it's going to be really good. Well, and the other, like, with the F1... I was interested in following the results of their races based on the show, not the other way around. You're not, you don't have to be a racing fan to like that show. Right. But you get sucked into the personality and the rivalries and the trash talk and the, whatever the storyline is of that week, you can relate to whatever's going on on the track. And I, I think that's what, the, that's what golf needs is the individual aspect of building the brand which we kind of know, but we really don't. Yeah. And as long as they're willing to let their guard down, I thought Kepka did that. No, Kepka was very revealing. You, you view him as this alpha male who, you know, yeah, he is was dominant. very self-doubting. Yes. Like the, the mental torment that he's going through at home about losing is fascinating to me based on the tear that he was on winning all that. The best part was when uh, his wife, every married person alive anyone in a relationship can relate to this but his wife is like going through all of these uh cute outfits she has in the closet and showing them off to him and he's just sitting there sort of like blank staring looking forward and he's like yeah babe that this looks great that's great and then it cuts to him in a confessional talking saying it there are times where i feel bad because my wife will be talking to me and all i'm thinking about is how bad my swing sucks right now and how to improve my swing because the latest tournament. Putting. And it's clear he's not paying a lick of attention to his wife as, as she's showing off these swimsuits and everything else that she has. That was a really good episode. I think the benefit of this show also that goes with Formula One Drive to Survive, there's an international appeal to it. So Drive to Survive, you're I right. love because you're in Monte Carlo and you're in uh, Azerbaijan, the Grand Prix there. You're in these places yep. that normally most people will never visit and there's an exotic feel to it. You've got you know, Italians and Spaniards and people from all different backgrounds racing in Formula One, Brits. And you get all these and different personalities, you get all these different languages. The spot with another teammate. Right, but it's, it's more of the international appeal of yeah. all of it that's so cool. This one has that too. You go to Sheffield, England, and you're with Matthew Fitzpatrick okay. for an entire episode as he wins the U.S. Open. You get Ian Poulter's background. You're, you're in Northern Ireland with Roy McElroy and showing his background. So... Mito Pereira and uh, the Chilean golfers on tour are talking about growing up in Chile and they're having a barbecue and talking about drinks, the Piscola, the drink they have before every barbecue that they're making and showing. It's cool to see different cultures, different backgrounds, different places throughout this series. To me, similar to what you get with Drive to Survive. I'm sure the tennis one is the same way where they they go all over the world and have different nationalities. You know who could use this, Chad? The Pac-12. They need the show. 
Well, they, they, they need, need to drive interest they because need, right now they need Netflix like dis- distribution is yeah, what they need. Well, yeah, they need all access because right now they it's it's tough to access their product based on their TV deal. That's they're they're trying to negotiate with literally anyone. Brett McMurphy tweeted this out this morning. Apple still has not made a formal offer to the Pac-12 media rights, but Ion Television has emerged as a potential Pac-12 partner. This through the Action Network. Ion TV, owned by Scripps Company, and they have 61 local TV stations nationwide, and they launched Scripps Sports this year. So as they launch Scripps Sports, we could see the Pac-12 games on their network, which is potentially 61 local TV stations. That, so, so you go from cr- Apple to that in the report. I'm guessing a lot of these are Western United States stations if they're wanting to deal with the Pac-12. So hear me out on this. When I heard this immediately, I thought, boy, this is really bad for the Pac-12. But it sounds an awful lot like what NHL and NBA does with Bally Sports that's currently bankrupt. It's just a different model of that. They're trying to pair with a specific market that's going to carry every game in a regionalized sports network. Yeah. Is that similar? Or are we talking more like the local PBS station and they're just going to put them on various local PBS stations? No, I think it would be more regional, uh, like you're saying. But my network, point, you, know, you can't but, watch. If you're a Stanford grad and you want to watch Stanford Cal you know, in Chicago, you're not going to get the local Ion Sports or Script Sports network in Chicago. Right. So you're going to have to go online or find it somewhere else or pay for a subscription to something to watch it. But for those regionalized sports networks... You know, I, I get all the Braves games through Bally Sports because Southeast. Because you're, you're in the area. Because I'm in the area. But I'm not paying a, a, a premium package to watch the Braves. I just happen to be in the region. So if you're out of the region, I mean, you're going to have to watch online somehow. Still, I mean... It's, it's a, a mess. It's a Power 5 conference that's losing <laughs> USC and UCLA. And the networks are paying attention to that and they're responding accordingly. That, that's what's uh, of the, upsetting. Of the legitimate options we've heard, tell me if you disagree... To me, the best option would be, this is really a bad place to be for the Pac-12. Best option is combining this Ion network with, sports with Apple. Yeah. Yep. So you have you know, standard television, broadcast television, as an option, even if it's regional. And then for everyone else, if you really want to watch Pac-12 sports or your team, you get an Apple TV Plus subscription, you watch whatever you want on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, that makes it very easy to find, at least, if you get the subscription. And it's a lot like it, it was Apple that had the MLS deal, right? Yes. So they ML- will carry every MLS game. You've got the game, but then locally here, like with Nashville SC, they you, can have a TV. You could see it. Yeah. Locally. Correct. Every game will be available on Apple TV, but they'll also have Man, it is a just regional a, TV tie in somehow. It is, I mean, the Conference USA has CBS Sports Network, you know? See, I, I think it's, and I look at it from the, the network's perspective too, or the company. So if you're Apple TV Plus, this would be an interesting experiment if, let's say, you wanted to get in the business of bringing on a Major League Baseball team or a specific NBA or NHL team and offering every game for that team on Apple TV Plus. For the subscription. For the subscription. Now, they're going to add their subscription fees. Right. Because Apple is different. It would than, be tacked on to whatever you have. Yes. Well, I just think they'll raise it for everyone because then you're now going to get all these sports options also. So they wouldn't have a package that you buy into. That's another option. You could also just say, I don't care about watching 
for all mankind or shrinking mm-hmm. the Apple original shows, but I want to watch Arizona State hoops. So, okay, then you pay five bucks a month and you get all the Pac 12 sports you want. It's just a Pac 12 sports package. It's an interesting, I, it's an interesting uh, concept if you're them. Here's the other thing to keep in mind about a company like Apple. They have no catalog. They don't pay for subscriptions to Warner Brothers. All these other big media conglomerates, they have Warner Brothers. They have Universal, right? NBC Universal has Peacock. So they have a catalog of shows and movies and all these offerings. The only thing you see on Apple is what Apple has created. So their catalog is thin. When you go and watch their shows, it's not deep at all. It's just what they've made in the last five years. I mean, but so this gives them more programming. Is my point? If they get into live sports more and more, this will give them a deeper catalog. But consider, like, so the fact that Apple's sitting back waiting. What's the offer going to be annually for them? Because they were they were putting out there like, oh, we're going to get forty million a year annually. Well, I mean. Big 12 is getting, what, 31? 40, 40 million per team, right? Right, yes. Yeah. And uh, Big 12 is getting 31? Uh, they're not getting that. I know they're not. At some point, it's got to go down, and this is but, where it's going to go down. But what the – so how far down, though? I think a ways down. 15? I mean, this could be a massive drop. If, if, if the, you're Apple right now, though, and you're looking at this from afar, and you're fact, seeing reports of the their fact actual that options. Ion TV is being reported today with the with Apple yet to make an offer by Brett McMurphy tells me it's not like it's not even half of what they were projecting. Yeah, they want to they want com- competition to drive up their price and instead if you're the executives at Apple, you've had your meeting with George Klyavikov in the Pac-12 yeah. and you're interested. Now you're sitting back and reading reports and finding out from business friends what's going on and you're seeing our competition is Ion, but also like okay, what's, then that that changes the offer we're going to make. Here's the thing, though, like without USC and UCLA, what's the draw to get someone to pay for that? Given the fact that these fans barely show up to their games anyway, we Washington, saw UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but that we so, were just out west. Out, we we talked about this. What's before the, the value show. of that though? Like when we we're we were in Phoenix, and I was we were discussing the Pac-12 thing, and I'm like, man. You go to these bigger markets out west, they do not care at all about college sports. You don't even know the... Arizona State could have been playing their biggest game of the year next door to our hotel. I don't think we would have known anything was going on. We wouldn't have known a thing. They just don't care as much out there. They like their professional sports, you know, and certain markets are better than others, but it's a very, very fickle college sports fan base. I mean, really, outside of SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, select spots in the ACC, it's very hit or miss all over the country in terms of how much fans actually care and how big your fan base is. So Apple's treating this as like a guinea pig then. I think Apple and is that's, it, but, Apple is looking at this as, let's see how this goes. How many subscribers can we get? And this get, the MLS, the same thing. You know, How does this help our subscription base? Can we sell specialty sports packages? And then if this works, let's go get the L.A. Dodgers to be exclusively streamed on Apple TV+. Let's go get other – let's go get um, the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know. I'm showing out well, teams I know. that are on regional sports networks, but with, and let's get all their games. But at least with MLS, they're on the front end of the growth, right? Like they, 
uh, is it Charlotte that's about to sell out their stadium? Like they want seventy thousand, they've sold sixty thousand tickets for their first game. Like at least you're getting on the upswing. I don't know what the ceiling is, but at least you feel like you haven't reached it yet. With the Pac-12 and the meteorites, you're seeing teams jump out, and then if there's no deal in place, other teams can move too at no consequence. So I don't know what the what the offer needs to be for Apple to be totally fine with it and actually come out on top of this. Sounds like they're going to either way. Um, but I mean, I'm not I'm not subscribing to that as a casual football fan. I would if it's USC and they're nationally relevant. And you you see. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's no casual football fan that's like, oh, I got to get this. I've got to no, see this No game. casual fan. Again, I think it's all about tapping into the vein of a specific fan base, whether that be soccer fans in the U.S. Yeah. Or Arizona fans or Washington or Oregon or whatever. Seeing how this works, does it raise their overall subscriptions? Can they sell specialty packages? And then extending that out to give them a deeper catalog because their catalog is razor thin right now because it's only what they make and produce. That's all that they have. Now, if you came back and told me the Atlanta Braves are moving to Apple TV+, Plus, right. I will never not subscribe to Apple TV+. Plus. Okay, go get the Chicago Cubs. Go get the LA Dodgers. Can you get five or six big-name MLB teams? You got the money. I mean, how many people would be just like me? Well, I guess I'm going to subscribe to Apple TV Plus the rest of my life now. I just don't know. Because I want to see the Braves in the summer. I don't know how passionate Pac-12 football fans are. I, that's what, that's again, what I'm saying. Again, this, this to me is the baby step for them, not the big one. If they make an offer, we'll see. It's like Bezos with the, the, the commanders. Here's the other thing. If you do this and it's only Apple TV Plus, I mean, how do you view... How do you view the Pac-12 when it comes to the college football playoff? No one sees them. When it comes to the NCAA tournament? Uh, I mean, you disappear. Heisman. All Heisman of that. voters aren't going to see them. Right. ESPN's never going to cover it. No. When they have nothing to do. They don't, they don't have Pac-12 after dark anymore. Unless it's a, a college football kickoff a weekend, which will be it. on a big network. Fox anyway. Sports and their pregame show, not going to be talking about it. Yep. They'll be talking Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, predominantly. I think you risk disappearing even more if you're them. And your best brand's jumping. Yeah. That's the other issue. Bill Walton can talk about the Conference of Champions all he wants. It's not going to matter if no one's going to Apple TV Plus to watch or Ion, either one of those. Coming up, LaShawn McCoy. He disagrees with the idea that Eric Bieniemy has been blackballed by the NFL. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Former NFL running back LaShawn McCoy, he hasn't hidden his feelings on Eric Bieniemy and his time with the Chiefs. Welcome back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick Network. Most recently, McCoy joined Speak 
on FS1 and discussed the idea that Eric Bieniemy was being blackballed by the NFL by not being a head coach with the Commanders. I hope he doesn't, but I think he will. What's his value? What makes him a good officer coordinator? See, the problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, oh, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. They're not in the locker room. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching and he has nothing to do with the pass game at all. Right. When the plays are, are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about officer coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dayball with the Giants a very, very good coordinator. I can tell you what Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. But when I ask about um, Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch the film of practices and we correct the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. Mm. He may say things to the running back because he's an ex-running back coach. I get that. But he has no real responsibility. Now you go from the Chiefs, where you can hide behind Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Then you, then you go to the, the Washington, where you got to call plays. You got to run the meetings. You got to run the installs. The last issue I have with him is what makes Andy Reid so great, not the, call, the, the play calls, which we see that, which, I mean, that's one of it. But the other thing is like adapting to the players who be in me. He's. My first practice, I couldn't believe it. He dog coaching, he dog cussing the players. I'm like, and not just the regular players, Kelsey, you know, you know, other players. So it's like, it's hard for me. I'm rooting for him because he's a black coach and I love to see black coaches win. Also, he's a running back coach. Running back coaches don't never get a chance to be True. office coordinators. The yep. last one was like Anthony Lynn. So I want that to, 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 to do well for him. But if I have to do my job, to be honest, my thing is just where is the true value at? Is it then, is it have anything to do with him being black in your opinion? Obviously, uh, you ain't Roger Goodell. You don't know. No. You know what? Absolutely not. But people want to win. The color thing, I, I get it. It, we, it should be more black cultures. I definitely believe that. But if you come up from the, the Chiefs, they want to win. It has nothing to do with the, with the color barrier at all. That's LaShawn McCoy on Speak with FS1 there. And you could say, oh, he has sour grapes from his time there, whatever. I haven't heard players, including McCoy here, say anything bad about Andy Reid. And he's just being honest. He says, I, I wish him the best. I hope he gets a head coaching gig. But here's my experience. Here's who was actually running things behind the scenes. And this is what I think is happening in these interviews. That's coming from former NFL running back LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Bienemy spoke with the media earlier this week as the new assistant head coach and offensive coordinator. He's running the offense for the Washington Commanders. He spoke with the media and he took the high road. LaShawn McCoy is a future Hall of Fame runner, okay? Everybody's entitled to their own position, to their own uh, comments and how they feel. When it's all said and done with, I think that's all I have to say because he's entitled to his own opinion. That's life, okay? You got good, you have bad. You know, it does not impact me in any way, because one thing that you learn when you're in this position, you have to learn to eliminate distractions. All right. My job is to focus on the now. Everything outside these walls has no impact on Eric Bieniemy moving forward. Appreciate it. Coach. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Eric Bieniemy, the new OC there in Washington and Kansas City, his name Matt Nagy as their o OC. But again, Andy Reid calling plays. I wish, and with time to prepare, this was a day or two after LaShawn McCoy made those comments, he would have had a, a more in-detail response to what he was saying and, and could clarify what he does with the passing game, if he does more with it. But I also totally understand if you're Eric Bieniemy, 
this is not a back and forth you want to get into. Right. Because there are players, Tyreek Hill and others, who fired off on Twitter when this happened and basically said, I think Tyreek Hill said something like, LaShawn is still mad that he got cussed at about not holding the ball high and tight in Kansas City from Enemy mm-hmm. over and over again, right? So there is a perception that LaShawn McCoy, this is all sour grapes with him. Sure. So if that's the case, I, I applaud Eric Enemy for being the bigger man and just saying, he can have whatever opinion he wants. You know, he gave him credit as a player, saying he's a future Hall of Famer, and you move on, right? Um, we're going to know about Eric Bieniemy. That that's the key, and I that's think Rashawn right. McCoy is is essentially saying that we're going to know now about his ability as an offensive coordinator, right or wrong, fair or foul, because of his association with Andy Reid. People think that's Andy Reid's offense, and ultimately it is. Now, Doug Peterson got a head coaching job. Others have as well, working underneath him, Nagy. So I get that complaint, but we're really going to know now with Eric Bieniemy. That may be the only the second or third time I've heard Eric Bieniemy's voice. Yeah, I, I, uh, the first thing I thought was, I can see how this guy isn't a great interview hmm. when I heard his voice in that, that interview right there. I mean, he's interviewed. Fifth- I'm not saying that he sounded, you know, not intelligent or anything. I just the way he was talking and phrasing things. I mean, I'm thinking this is probably someone who may not come across that well in an interview setting. Because I thought the same thing. I had never heard head him coaching before. interviews since 2019. Yeah, I had never heard him before in an interview until there. And look, I don't know how much we put into. He also went the high road, which I, I yeah, applaud. Yeah, post-game interviews or on-field, like right after the reaction. But you had Chad Henney, who did give credit to Eric Bieniemy for the record. But immediately after the Super Bowl or, or AFC Championship game, wherever you want to turn to, you've got Mahomes and Kelsey immediately mentioning Andy Reid, and that's it, right? That's that's it, and that's all. And that's all I think McCoy's doing too. But he's going into further detail as to why he's not mentioning anyone else. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, headlines and much more across the Outkick network. Two more hours to go. Outkick360 rolls on.